Welcome to the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. It's time for you. A podcast produced for the sheep industry by Sheep Connect New South Wales. Hi, I'm Fiona MacArthur, a network coordinator for Sheep Connect New South Wales. The Sheep Extension Network in New South Wales, which is funded by Australian Wool Innovation. Sheep Connect New South Wales has a membership of over 2,200 and our main aim is to help keep you and your sheep business up to date on information about all things sheep. Australian Wool Innovation and the Australian Merino Sire Evaluation Association, or AMPSI, have teamed up with five sites to deliver the Merino Lifetime Productivity Project known as the MLP. The project is designed to capture lifetime data across diverse environments and merino types to help better understand and deliver merino U lifetime performance outcomes for the Australian merino industry. Earlier this year, due to COVID-19, the New England site took their field day and presentation of their U results online in 2020. Now it's time for the Tamora site to do the same. In this episode of It's Time For You, I'm joined by Lexi Sesnick and Ben Swain from the MLP to discuss the MLP project and the Tamora site. Lexi is the Merino Link site manager at Tamora and Ben is the executive officer of AMPSI with an extension background in SIRE evaluation and program management. Welcome Lexi and Ben and thank you for joining me on It's Time For You. Hi Faye, thanks for having me. Good morning Faye and thanks for having me. Lexi, as the Merino Link site manager, can you tell us where the site is and describe it a little for us? So the Merino Link site is based um, just in behind the Reefton Forest, which is halfway between Tamora and Bard Medman in southern New South Wales. And it's uh, it's a it's about 900 acres there. We're about 270 metres of elevation, so very typical for uh, the local area. Um, and it's it's a, a classical wheat and farming and uh, sheep property that you would expect from the area. Um, we've got uh, mixed pastures of clover ryegrass, some lucerne, monoculture lucerne, and uh, this year we sowed down some paddocks to barley. And Lexi, for those of us who aren't very familiar with the area, can you describe the climate a bit for, for us at Tamora? Yeah, so the the climate is a 550 mil rainfall average for the year. Um, it's it's not um, summer or winter dominant, although we do have a, a bit more of a fall in the winter with a little bit of that sort of winter rainfall for the winter cropping uh, which we have in the area. Typical temperature ranges, sort of 35s in the summer, and uh, if we can. Um, get away with it. We try not to have too many frosts in the winter, but a, a few minus threes, minus fours. But uh, yeah, very, very typical for southern New South Wales. And New South Wales has been in seen drought over the last few years. Have you had extreme weather events there as well over the period of the experiment? Uh, we've had the lot, I think, uh, as far as extreme weather events. So the trial at Tamora kicked off in 2016 and we actually had one of the wettest years on record in 2016 with massive flooding, uh, which our as our site is quite low, we have a 
creek running through the property so we didn't uh, we didn't get away scot-free on that occasion and then of course uh, like many other producers in 17 18 and 19 we were struck with one of the most severe droughts we've ever seen in a hundred years so uh, we, we've had it all and then thankfully this year, um, as many of the state has seen, unfortunately not all of us, we've had an absolute bumper year with great early season falls over the autumn for our break with great follow-up rain right the way through the winter and it's looking like it's just starting to dry off now but it's still looking very healthy out there. And so it's been feast or famine then throughout the whole of the trial. So what events, uh, what um, has this Problems has this caused, I suppose, for the day-to-day -day running of the trial for you? Well, I suppose it's the same problems that all um, sheep producers have faced over the past uh, four years. So we had obviously the the extreme wet weather. Um, it has we we had a we were lambing right in the middle of the 2016 floods. I, I swear those use they swam more than they um, they walked. But then, of course, in the 17 to 19 drought years, um, like a lot of people, we went into lot feeding. So, so much of this project is about, um, you know, understanding condition score and making sure that the ewes are in the right condition to sort of express their best genetic potential, um, you know, and an evenness across the group. So we try to we try to manage uh, their nutrition as much as we can to ensure that you know, all use have every opportunity, which meant we hand fed in the feedlot, you know, uh, every two days, like many people, which meant, you know, last year, Christmas Day for me was uh, on a feed cart with the MLP use. So, you know, we're, we're all in it together, I think, for those years. But this year, um, the biggest challenge we had this year was, like most people, getting them out of the feedlot and back onto green feed because they'd been so limited in that for so long it was a real challenge for us to ensure that we, we didn't cause any metabolic issues in trying to release use out of the feedlot onto lush, beautiful green feed. Thanks, Lexi. Lexi, there at Tamora's site, you have your ewe base. Um, can you tell us how you source them, where they've come from, how many you have, and sort of a little bit about them? Yeah, so we needed about 1,200 ewes for the AI programs for 2016 and 2017 to sort of create the what we call the F1 ewes, which are the ewes we measure. Um, we started with um, the blue chip livestock ewes, which were the daughters of Sansara Valuations that we owned, that Moses and Son owned at the time. And then to make up the following, we actually utilised some stud and commercial Pujinook ewes, uh, some stud bundilla ewes and some stud centre plus ewes. Now, all of these ewes were then evenly distributed throughout the sire group. So that's all allocated for in the analysis and in the reporting, of course. But um, those those three, they, you know, they're Riverina, Southwest Slopes, um, Central West type of sheep. And, and it would be very uh, normal to see those types of sheep in the area. So we thought that that was a really good fit for the site. And you just mentioned there that they're allocated to the RAM groups. How do you select the sires for the project? So the sires that get joined to the F1 news, um, so we naturally mate for five weeks uh, within the trial. And those RAMs have to be genomically tested with full ASBVs so that then we can allocate. So we have previously uh, used Santa Plus RAMs uh, and and that's, that's we're going to use those again this year. 
So that's those rams have to have a full set of ASBVs and a full genomic test so that we can really adjust and understand how those F2 progeny, so that the daughters and the weathers of the of the ewes that we measure at the site, how they perform up until their early post weaning, which is when they leave the project. So that's how we do that there. And when I hear people talking about the MLP, we hear the term linked sires and across site sires. Can you explain this terminology to us and give us a bit of an insight to the importance of these sires? Yeah, for sure. So link sires refer to the um, sires that we have within the site that are linked across the years. So we do this so that then we can accurately compare the data from the 2017 drop use to the 2016 drop use because we have that same sire in the two groups. We actually use him as sort of the benchmark or the line in the sand. And then we say, right, well, if you're above or below for each, for that, you know, if you're better or worse or, or stronger or, or not as strong for traits as that ram, well, then we can compare you to the, you know, from the 17s back to the 16s. Um, and that link sire is our trigger valve ram there at, at Tamora. He's in both my eardrops. And then, of course, we have the cross site sires, which are have exactly the same purpose. So that allows us to then take the data from my site or the site that I, I manage at Tamora and compare it to the site that Bromwell Clark manages at Pingley in WA or that Tom has done at Balmoral or Jen Smith up at the New England or Catherine Warburton in Trainee, we can compare all of our data against each other because we have these link sires. So there's four across site link sires here at Tamora, and I've just got the list of those, which are the Learsham Pole, uh, One Oak Ram, a West Plains Pole Ram, and a Collinsville Ram are all utilised as across site sires. Thanks, Lexi. Um, Ben's going to talk to us a bit about the results in a moment, but I think it'd be good for us to understand sort of the how far through the experiment you are. So not all sites, my understanding is that started together. So how far have you come through and how's that affected the number of age groups that you have? So we did our first AI program in 2016 in January. So that means that uh, that's my oldest age group and then our second AI program was in 2017. So the 2016 drop years are at age stage four, which means we've had uh, about, we've had sort of the four adults plus their yearling weaning and their marking data all collected and they'll go through to age stage six. So they'll go through to 2022. And the 17 drop respectively have had the five, the, the three age stages that we've collected on and they'll go through to age stage five. Lexi, you're in charge of the day-to-day -day running down there at Tamora. Can you tell us what the management calendar looks like at Merino Link? Yep, so it's very typical of um, a sheep wet farm. We have joining in December, so we join over Christmas and then preg scan in March. Uh, we start lambing at the end of May. Like I said before, we have a five-week join, so May, June, lambing, weaning happens in August, and that obviously gives us the ability to turn those weathers off um, sort of in November, early November, October, and we can uh, we do our classing. So all of the classing for the MLP sheep happens in September, and for anybody that's aware of 
um, how much data we collect, they would know that there's a, there's a lot happens in September with our visual data collection and we have two independent classes come on board. And then we shear at the end of October and we try and squeeze our field day in there in the middle. And then we obviously do our fat and muscle scanning pre-joining in December again. So that's the full 12 months for us. So you just mentioned then, Lexi, some of the traits that you measure, and that's what the MLP is all about, getting lots and lots of data for many different traits. For people who are listening in that don't know a lot about the MLP, what traits, can you give us a bit of a snapshot, do you capture? Um, it'd probably be a shorter list if I told you what we didn't capture, um, because it is it is a really broad range of traits. So we do all of the objective wool measurements from police weight, all of your fibre diameter, all of your um, fibre related measurements. We we body weight and condition score five four times a year at very specific intervals. We fat and muscle scan, like I said. Um, we do uh, individual wet counts when we can get the wets up high enough. Unfortunately, the last couple of years haven't really presented us with those um, opportunities. We do a fecal consistency and then we do a whole range of, of visual scoring. So, you know, dag and urine, breach, fleece rock, colour, wool character, you know, fibre pigmentation. And then, of course, all of your confirmational scores, you know, you know, jaw alignment and, and feet and shoulders and face cover and and then of course the classes come in and, and, and do their type. So we have one class that does a professional classing which is five different uh, categories and we have a AMSI class which is top blocks and culls. And then of course we also collect, you know, the full reproductive suite. So if sire and dam and number of fetuses on board and number of lambs marked and number of lambs weaned and full DNA on all of those lambs you know, if, if and we obviously for the F2 lambs, whether they're a U or a weather. So we have quite a huge range of, of traits that we collect at the site. And Lexi, that's obviously keeps you extremely busy throughout the year. There's a lot of visual and measured traits in that list you just gave us. Why is it important to have both? Well, I mean, and I'm going to call on a comment that um, Anne Ramsey often says, and I think a lot of um, people do say it, if you can't measure it, you, you can't manage it. So we, we do, we're, this project is about analysing the performance of sheep throughout their lifetime. And obviously the objectively measured traits are very important, but um, Ben said it yesterday. He said that, you know, he, we don't know it. There's not a sheep breeder out there that doesn't put weight on the visual traits, you know, that, that shape have, such as, you know, wool quality traits or structural traits. And it's just, it's so important that we get to measure these throughout the project, not only for, you know, the extension messages that are going to come out of this project, but all of this information will go further into um, things like um, indexes, putting, you know, being able to have enough visual traits to run analysis, you know, at the sheep genetics level. It's, you know, if, if we if we don't have those traits measured at this level of, you know, ex, you know, at the experimental level, then we'll never be able to get productive information out of them later on. Thanks, Lexi. Lexi, due to COVID, you, you would normally have a big field day down there tomorrow and instead you've had a smaller inspection day. And then last week on Sheep Connection New South Wales, we did a webinar with the MLP to look at the U results from tomorrow. And 
the links up on your website and our website for people who would like to join in for that. But what else can producers expect to find on your website, which is new? So we're really excited to have our uh, website. It's a part of the Merino Superior Sires site. So you'll be able to jump on there very soon. You'll have the webinar recording from last week, um, which will be up. You'll also have the full report, uh, which will give you, you know, the full analysis for this year. So how each of the sire groups performed for all of their traits that we've just gone through. There's also, um, you know, the overview of the project and, of course, the snapshot um, pen cards, I think, are going up. But as well as that, we're also going to put up there some photographs of the sheep from the field day. So I know um, some of the team were very busy on field day day getting some images of the sheep so that then if you didn't get the chance to be at the field day, obviously COVID really uh, stymied us there. You can still have a look to see how the sheep were looking on the day and then compare that to obviously the report that's there. So there is so much on the website that's going to be available for everybody to have a look at and, and sink their teeth into. So if you missed out on any of the field day or the webinar, don't worry, you'll be able to catch up on the website. Thanks, Lexi. It's really good to see so much of industry adapting so that we can still get these results out under the current climate to producers. Thanks, Lexi. We're going to move on to Ben now and we're going to go through some of the results with Ben. Ben, how does the MLP project plan to deliver increased profit to industry? That's a good question, Fee, because I, I guess the the MLP projects are a 10-year, $13 million project. And, and what it's really all about, it's about providing sheep breeders an improved suite of tools that's going to help them select sheep um, that are going to be more productive throughout their lifetimes. So, so those tools are going to be lots of the tools that we've already got, like visual selection and breeding values and genomics, but, but, the, but the project's designed to enhance those tools. So we'll be able to, as sheep breeders, be able to select sheep at a younger age, but be more confident that they're going to be productive right throughout their lifetimes. You just touched then that it's a 10-year project. So the MLP is so unique in that the scale of it is just extraordinary. What else makes the MLP project so unique compared to other research projects happening in industry? Well, I guess that's 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 it, Fee. The, the sheer scale of this project makes it unique to any other project uh, anywhere in the world, really. It's the largest merino project that's ever been run in in terms of in in terms of capturing genetics on merino. So there's five sites that are scattered around Australia. There's 134 merino sites and over 5,700. F1 ewes or, or first generation ewes that are being measured throughout their lifetime. But I guess what really makes the project really unique is the industry collaboration that we're actually seeing. So at each of those five sites, there's a, there's a site committee that's made up of breeders and service providers. Uh, there's site hosts, uh, so organisations such as Lexi works for. Uh, and there's also research, there's also research organisations. Uh, there's, there's stud breeders, there's commercial breeders, there's just a whole range of people that, from the merino industry involved in this project. And the sheer volume of them just make the project unique. A lot of them are providing masses of in-kind support. So that $13 million project, $5 million of that is in-kind support from all of these industry participants that are just involved in the project because they want to see the industry improve as a result of it. 
Yeah, the collaboration certainly is just a wonderful aspect of this project. Ben, you just said that there were 5,700 used, just so everyone can really get a grasp on the scale of this project. How, if you know off the top of your head, how many traits do you think, like data points do you collect? Like we're talking in the millions, aren't we? There's actually almost 2 million data points that will be collected at the end of this project. Uh, we're currently just over the million data points mark. So we're about halfway through the project and, and data's flowing in uh, really well, but, um, but we're only halfway there. We've still got lots and lots and lots of data collections still to come on this project. So Ben, can you, before we go into the results, give us a little bit of an insight to how the project's designed? Yeah, sure. So as I said, there's five sites and, and those sites are, are, are in five unique environments because one of the big aspects of the MLP project is to, is to assess how different sheep perform in different environments. So those sites are, are located, uh, there's three in New South Wales, there's one in Victoria and one over in Western Australia. And as Lexi pointed out, all of those sites have got link sires. So of the 134 sires in the project, there's lots of link sires that are joined across those multiple sites. So there's, there's two link sires that Lexi mentioned that are joined across all of the sites. So they're a really important part of the project design in terms of us being able to, to relate all of that data together. Uh, the 134 sires themselves are a really important part of the, of the design as well because they were specially selected to be diverse. We did, didn't just go and find the first 134 merino sires we came across. We went out into an industry nomination process over the first two or three years of the project to look for as much diversity in the sire base as we could. So that, only, that didn't only mean we wanted sheep that cut lots of wool and sheep that cut less wool or high fibre diameter and low fibre diameter, high reproduction, low reproduction. All of those are fairly easy to find. But we also then wanted, wanted a diversity in, in how rams are bred, rams that are bred with using breeding values, rams that are bred that don't use breeding values, uh, rams out of the show ring, rams out of benchmarking trials. So we wanted to, to collect up a huge range of, of different types of animals, different performance animals, and put them over those five environments. Ben, as Lexi's just taken us through what producers are going to find on the website, then we've now got the 2016-2017 drop results up online, which is fantastic. So producers can start to see the first of the data coming through. When they have a look, what format are they going to find the results in? Yeah, so we um, we we try and cater for all interest groups, I guess. So when you open up an MLP report, it's it's easy to be overawed by the sheer amount of results or data that, that that's in them, and and that's for two reasons. A, because as as Lexi said, we um we collect so much data. Um, we collect, you know, multiple records on multiple traits. So we put all of that in the report. So there's lots of different data in there. But most importantly, we actually um, we we actually report that data in three different formats. So we report it as raw data. So that's just how we collect it. So if the if the average fleece weight is 3.5 kilos, that's what we report. So that's one section of the reports. Uh, we also have an adjusted sire mean section, which basically takes the raw data from each of the sire groups and adjusts it for all of the fixed effects that we know about. So fixed effects are things like 
uh, birth type and rare type of the progeny. So how many singles and twins were born in each of those sire groups? Because we know being a, a twin, um, you will have a different production outcome than if you're born as a single. Also, the management groups are, are really important. So each year as these ewes uh, go through their reproduction cycle, they're split into their single and twin bearing management groups. So we need to account for all of those things. Um, we, all, we also account for the sex of the progeny. So, so when we first started the, the, the project, obviously we had lots of ewes and weathers. Um, we've now taken the ewes through um, through the MLP project. But to start with, there was um, there was also weathers in the project, which we did some early measurements on. And being a year or weather, um, that actually affects your, your, your performance as well. And finally, we have flock breeding values, which take the adjusted siamines and they, and they take them on further and they account for the heritabilities of traits and the correlations between, between traits. So we know there's correlations between fleece weight and fibre diameter, for example, or fleece weight and body weight. We use those known correlations to provide an even more accurate assessment of the genetic potential of those rams. So, so just in summary, raw data, adjusted siamines and flock breeding values. We don't expect people to use all three sets of those data, um, but they're all in there for people to use which ones they'd like to. Thanks, Ben. Look, I'm really mindful that you're only presenting on the website two years of data through what is going to be a much longer experiment. So it's really early days at the moment. But um, during the time that you've done the analysis on this data, have you seen any interesting links starting to appear that you could give us a snapshot of what we might be looking at? Well, I guess we have, but, but I guess it's also important to say that the analysis of this project really hasn't started and it won't really start until the majority of the data is, is collected. It's, it's a project that's aimed at looking at lifetime performance, so of course we need lifetime data. In saying that, we, we've got the Balmoral site down in Victoria that's actually a year in front of the Merino Link site, so it's only got a year to go. And the Merino Link site, as Lexi said, it's only got a couple of years to go. So we, we, we are now starting to collect data that can give us a bit of an indication of what, um, of what we might see at the end. And, and I guess as a sheep breeder myself, I look at some of that data and I, I tend to find interesting things and all things that interest me as a sheep breeder. And, and, and I guess one of them that's particularly obvious when you look at the Merino link data is how important an adult fleece weight is when you're selecting ewes for lifetime production. So, so if we look at, you know, if, if we look at shearing our ewes as, as hoggets or, or, as, or as yearlings or hoggets and then using that fleece weight to select our ewes and predict their lifetime performance, we're actually cutting ourselves a little bit short. You know, the correlations between yearling fleece weight and total lifetime fleece weight, they're pretty good. They're, they're quite high at around 0.7 in the case of the Merino link data. But it, if we simply add an adult fleece weight to that, so if we keep those used for another year and we, we, we get another adult fleece weight off them, our correlation goes from a, a pretty good 0.7 to a very good 0.9 plus. So it almost is a, um, it, it almost is a, well, well, what it is, it's a very good estimate of, of what those ewes are going to cut over over their lifetime. So in the industry, we have a tendency to want to measure sheep early and class them early and get them out of the system. And that's for good economic reason. But from a genetic point of view, it's really interesting to see that the value that that adult fleece weights certainly adds to, to the overall production system of, of an operation. 
I guess the other interesting uh, uh, point that, that I keep coming back to when I when I look at the MLP data is the is the relationship between fleece weight and reproduction. Now, as as wool growers, um, we we want sheep that cut a lot of wool. We we most of a shear five times as many sheep every year as we sell. You know, we, we've got to run these ewes and, and they rear lambs, and that's great when we can sell weather lambs, but they've got to cut wool. But at the same time, we want them to produce lots of wool. We also need them to produce lots of lambs and lots of good lambs. So the relationship between those two really important traits is, is really quite interesting. And, and whilst we need lots more data before we can draw final conclusions in this area, the early data is suggesting across some of these sites and some of these environments that, that you can have sheep that do it both. You can have sheep that produce lots of wool and rear lots of lambs. Um, you know, and you can have sheep that don't do either of them very well. So, so, and then maybe that's a, that's a type issue. Maybe it's not, we, we, we need more data to find out, but it's really encouraging to, to see those, those sire groups in the trial that are cutting the most wool of their, of their trial and also rearing the most lambs. So, so that's a really interesting, I guess, observation at this stage and, uh, and time will tell whether it becomes, becomes an outcome of the project. Thanks, Ben. Ben, the scale of this project, as we've said quite a few times now, is really very unique. How important is this large scale in order to get really robust outcomes for industry? Yeah, it's it, it's the most important thing, um, you know, and, and it's why we we can't jump the gun in 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 coming up with the results because these results are going to change. Um, you know, the five and a half thousand use in this project is is by design. It was to generate, you know, that 25,000 reproduction records over the life of the trial, and, and that's sort of the number of reproduction records that you need to make robust outcomes. And 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 that's that's largely because re, because reproduction and all the traits that go with reproduction are all very lowly heritable traits. And as sheep breeders, we we probably already know that. But because a trait's lowly heritable, it just means you need more data than a trait like say fibre diameter that's 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 quite highly heritable. So if we were only looking at a project that that was measuring fleece weight and fibre diameter and body weight, you'd, you'd certainly need a lot less animals. But because we're we're taking that next step in this project of of combining all of those traditional production traits with reproduction and also with uh, with things like worm egg count, which are also lowly heritable. You know that's where these these huge numbers come into the project and um, and really until we get to the end of that project and we've collected all two million records, um, we're really not going to be in a position to be able to give too much concrete out. Out, out to sheep breeders, but but once we've got all that data, then the analysis will begin, and um, you know I'd imagine there's um, there's 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 PhD students that will be coming along for the next 20, 10 or twenty years that will still be using this data because it's just going to be that much of it to 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 work their way through over the over the years to come. Yeah, very exciting. They'll be such important outcomes for our industry. Thanks, Lexi and Ben, for the information you've shared with our listeners and for joining me on It's Time For You. No problem, Sophie. Thanks for having me. Thanks very much. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of It's Time For You, the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. We'd appreciate it if you could share our podcast within your networks. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the AWI podcast, The Yarn. 
We'd love you to stay in contact with Sheep Connect New South Wales, and you can do this in a number of ways. Join our network by visiting www.sheepconnectnewsouthwales.com.au. Find us at Sheep Connect New South Wales on Facebook and Twitter. We look forward to seeing you at our workshops and events later in the year. Thanks again for joining us today. Bye for now.